Welcome to the Women Encouraged podcast. We're your hosts, Bethany Berendrecht and Brittany Robertson. We are delighted to have the chance to connect you with other women who love the Lord, who love His Word, and who are pursuing a life of faithfulness in Him. Thanks so much for joining us. Hi friends, thanks for joining us for episode 12. I first came across Gloria Furman's writing about three years ago, and I was so overjoyed to discover her refreshing and encouraging perspective on motherhood, that the pursuit of Christ wasn't just possible in motherhood, but that the gospel of Christ actually transforms our mothering. Gloria has ministered through her writing and speaking to many, many women, and we are really blessed to welcome her to the Women Encouraged podcast today for this conversation about what it means to be on mission. I'm here with Gloria Furman, and she is on the other side of the world in a completely different time zone, and we're just so grateful that she joined us today. Thank you so much for coming on the Women Encouraged podcast, Gloria. Thanks for having me. Um, Can you share a bit about your life and um, what you're up to these days? Sure. Um, Like you said, I live in Dubai. Uh, the United Arab Emirates, which is uh, in the Arabian Peninsula in the Middle East. Um, Dubai is a global city, so that means there are over 200 nationalities um, whom we live and work and minister amongst. My husband is the pastor of Redeemer Church of Dubai, um, an evangelical international church in the middle of Dubai. Um, I think our current membership at the church is over 60 nations. Um, so it's wow. a whole slice of heaven. Yeah. Um, when we gather, um, together in any number, um, I have four kids. Uh, Eliza's going to be 11 in two weeks and Nora just turned nine, Judson just turned seven and Troy is four and a half. Um, we've lived oh, here. For, yeah. We've lived here for, um, going on 10 years. So the kids think they're from here. They don't really know much about America, <laughs> except from quick visits or, and things they've heard. Um, so yeah, so that's where we are. Um, I like to write in all my free time, which isn't much. <laughs> so, um, my favorite thing to do is, uh, to spend time with my friends here and talk to them about significant spiritual things, uh, which, um, is a thrill and a joy to to be able to to talk about the Lord with my friends. It is so amazing when you can find people that um, that don't think you're boring and weird for talking about Jesus the whole time. I just love that I have friends that I can do that with, and it's it's such a life giving thing, and I love that. Um, you said that you don't have a lot of free time, but you like to write in your free time, and yet you have produced several books. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> I used to have more free time than I do now. No. Um, <laughs> well, maybe you're just very efficient, but I've been, um, I was, I think my first introduction to you was, um, probably something you wrote for gospel coalition or desiring God or something. But, um, I was given, my mom gave me, um, treasuring Christ when your hands are full. She was like, Oh, I saw it on your Amazon wish list. And 
So she gave it to me for Christmas a few years ago. And then it's kind of been like one after another after that. And um, just so grateful for the message that you've brought to um, motherhood and family life and just generally living as a Christian woman on mission for the Lord. Um, but that's a phrase you use. And I'm wondering if you would um, talk about what living on mission means. Yeah. Um, thank you for the encouragement. I'm so glad to hear that. And uh, it's also really neat to hear um, how your mom goes on your Amazon wish list and buys you stuff. That's really sweet. Yeah. Um, yeah. On my kids' wish list is like moon boots and rockets. So that's what. Are they going to get it though? Like. <laughs> I, you know, He's four, so he thinks everything is possible. Right, of course. He's like, well, just look at the store. They have moon boots at the store, just look. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. If, um, <laughs> uh, so living, living on mission uh, means that you are consciously aware that God has sent you. Um, and he has sent you, and that's part and parcel to who you are and to who he's newly created you to be as an ambassador for him as you're remade in Christ as a new creation. Uh, the being on mission goes all the way back to the garden when God told Adam and Eve to multiply and fill the earth, subdue it, have dominion over it. Um, I love how G.K. Beale has uh, tied this theme through scripture in his work. He's talked about the temple right, and the garden, the first temple and spreading the presence and knowledge and name of God um, as you are an image bearer throughout the whole world. And that started at, at the garden. It didn't start um, later on at the Great Commission, mm-hmm. um, but it's been consistent uh, throughout Scripture. That's who we were made to be. Um, so living on mission remem- is remembering, remembering those things um, about your identity as an image bearer of God, made in God's image, um, and remade in the image of Christ. And yet you are here in this broken, fallen world. Yes. <laughs> so um, living on mission means having all of those themes, those meta narratives running through your mind um, constantly. Uh, that is hard to do. Um, we need reminders. We need um we need to soak our minds in scripture. We need to surround ourselves with friends who can remind us of these eternal weighty truths that shape our perspective. Um, we need the local church. We need a steady diet of good expository preaching that reminds us of the whole temple of God. Um, we need uh, other people around us who are also living on mission um, just to encourage us when we're down and to motivate us when we're feeling lazy. Um, there's a lot of things we need because it is, it is not something that comes um, naturally. It's something that comes supernaturally. Yes. And it's just, it's such um, for, for so many women, I know they're going to hear this and think like, this is a radical concept. This is something I've never heard before that mission started in the garden and that um, that we are that we're carrying this identity throughout our lives, that this is the whole plan that God has had from the beginning to send out his ambassadors um, would you talk a bit about um, just living as an ambassador for Christ and how 
how that shapes and transforms our identity as, you know, really in any, in any kind of sphere of influence or, um, for single or married, whatever stage of life we're in, just how that, um, how that transforms us. Yeah. Um, the ambassador motif, uh, is something that Paul describes in second Corinthians chapter five. Um, he's drawing from the concept of a king sending a representative, um, to people. And uh, we have the same concept today. It's an ancient concept, but we're using it still. Um, I, I like I, I live in a, a global city, so I can go to the consulate uh, or to the embassy for many, many nations who have representation here in this country, um, just down the street. And uh, it's really fun. Uh, I'll just I'll share a little story to describe it. So they're all different. All the buildings are shaped differently. They look different. Some are in um, kind of industrial looking buildings. Some are in renovated houses, villas, big ones. Um, Some were built to look like a home from that country. It's really fun to drive by. Yeah, to drive by different consulates and embassies and see the difference um, between the guards outside and the flags and the the architecture and the parking spaces and the lions outside. Um, it's really fun. So the kids love to point out, Oh look, there's Saudi Arabia. Oh look, there's Lebanese soil. Oh look, there's Egypt. Oh, there's UK, you know, mm-hmm. um, because technically, I think the property on there is belonging to that country. So when we go to the U S consulate, I think technically we're on U S quote unquote soil, which is really kind of interesting. And kids get a kick out of that. So we were we were going to um, a Brazilian uh, embassy uh, for the embassy of Brazil, and uh, the GPS said that we were there. And we looked around, and it did not look like what we expected because we were in a neighborhood, and there was a dentist next door, and across the street was someone's house. We're like, are we really there? We don't know. And so I got out of the car and I looked and there's a parking cone that said uh, with a sign on it, parking for the embassy here. So, Oh, I guess we are here. (laughs) Um, So it didn't, it didn't look like what we had expected, but the point was that inside was the ambassador and the ambassador represents their country um, to its truest. And the ambassador speaks for the country, the ambassador applies that country's rules according to what we wanted. We wanted a visit visa. Um, and that was the point. The point was the authority of the ambassador that was given to them by their country. It didn't matter what it looked like on the outside. It didn't matter that it was what or not what we expected. It didn't matter um, what the lobby feel was. It didn't matter any of those outside trappings, but the fact that the authority had been given to the ambassador to give the message of that country of this is how you get your visit visa. Um, and therefore we could, you know, do our business there. So this ambassador motif we're still using today. And Paul um, describes how we're ambassadors of God. Uh, in second Corinthians five, he says that um, God's given us through, through Christ, we've been reconciled to God. And so we've been given this ministry of reconciliation. So in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting our sins against us and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. That message of reconciliation is the gospel. 
Um, we have all different various seasons in life, callings, roles that we play, but we've been given one gospel. And then he says, therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. So there's our one message is the gospel. Be reconciled to God. And of course, we know how you are reconciled to God is through faith in Jesus Christ and what he's done on the cross and dying for us in our place so that we can be forgiven of our sin and adopted into God's family. Um, this is all a gift of grace. Not a single one of us can boast that, um, that they laid claim of this for themselves and they've done this. But God has, in his mercy, reached down to desperate sinners um, who have nothing good in them themselves. And he saves us. He does the work. He is the author of, of our salvation. So we have been saved through this gospel. And this is the gospel that we've been given as a message of reconciliation to give to the world. So God is making his appeal through us, which is amazing. Everybody can yes. point to the venue or the person through whom they heard the gospel. Uh, maybe you were given a Bible by a person. Maybe you heard the gospel spoken by your parents, maybe a teacher, a friend, somebody proclaimed the gospel to you. Um, throughout his letters, Paul reminds his uh, church plants that he proclaimed the gospel to them. Like I, I told you this gospel. Um, this is, uh, this is the message we've been given. So we've all been given this message. And then, of course, following along on this ambassador motif, the king puts his ambassadors in strategic places where he wants them. He might want you in the doctor's office tomorrow morning. He might want you to go to the store tonight because you realize there's no more milk and there's breakfast cereal to be had in the morning. <laughs> you don't really know where he's sending you. You might have an idea penciled in on your calendar of your schedule, but God is king and he sends his ambassadors throughout his world um, for the reconciliation of the nations to himself. So remembering that, um, that you are not your own, I guess one thing, the belt that kind of wraps all around it, um, you cannot accept or reject this role of being ambassador because he has made you the ambassador for Christ. And just living, knowing, um, whose we are, let that, what you said, like, we're not our own. It makes me think of the Heidelberg catechism question and just the, all the weight and the comfort at the same time. That's just wrapped up in that, that understanding that, um, I belong to Christ. I belong to the Lord because I've been purchased and now I have the weight of this mission and it gives us solemnity to our everyday life that um, we might not think about otherwise when we're welcoming our kids when they wake up in the morning or when they come home from school or, um, yeah, like you said, going to the grocery store for a gallon of milk, right? It's there's a weight to that that we carry with us, um, carry with us whose we are and the mission of of Jesus Christ is ours to take into the world. That's such a hopeful and beautiful, beautiful thing. Mm -hmm. Just in terms of motherhood, you've, you've written quite a lot on that. And that's been a big part of your message. Um, what does it mean then to be on mission in motherhood? Yeah, um, you can 
can think of all the different diverse contexts in which uh, mothers are called to serve. Um, we're as diverse as, as one person to the next. Um, no two callings, no two motherhoods uh, or families are the same. Um, I think we tend to get hung up on those differences and compare ourselves to someone else or someone else will compare themselves to someone else and then um, try to apply the same looks or standards to to their own ministry. Um, I think that's a trap uh, in motherhood especially. Uh, it's, it's an interesting twist on something that's that's so beautiful and unifying the, the beautiful unifying thing that God has called all of us moms to serve, um, should be something that radically unifies us. And we can look at another mom and say, wow, we are in that same boat. You're called to serve and sacrifice for your kids. I'm called to serve and sacrifice for your kids. How can we support each other? Um, instead what we do in our sin is we twist it into looking at the different ways, um, we do or don't do the same or different things <laughs> in our service to our family. Um, so living on mission, um, for moms, I think foremost comes from, um, the fact that you are not your own. Um, and it's, it's the Lord you're serving. You're serving the Lord Jesus Christ. If your thoughts were so consumed with the fact that you are serving the crucified, risen, and ascended Jesus Christ, it would be far less tempting to look sideways at someone else and compare yourself. You would be continually looking to him for direction, guidance, and strength, and grace, and hope. Um, You would look next to you and hold out that same gospel to someone else. Um, our skepticism of others um, uh, would be dissolved, I think, when we are focused on Christ. Now, like I said, this is so hard <laughs> because yes. uh, we are small sinners. This is so hard. Uh, we need we need the local church. We need older women in our lives. We need uh, to be discipling younger women. We need um, supportive community um, through us. We need a steady diet of solid preaching. Um, daily prayer, uh, accountability, all of these things to help, um, with our motherhood ministry. There's, there's not, um, a Lone Ranger mom ministry out there. Uh, it's not, it's not going to work. Um, it's, I think this might be a, a cultural difference. Um, because when I say that here, that there's no Lone Ranger mom ministries, everybody agrees <laughs> that, yeah, um, we kind of assume that. Um, uh, but I, when I speak to Western, uh, Westerners, um, that's really hard to accept. Um, uh, as speaking as a Westerner myself, I've, we've, we've been taught to be independent and, um, uh, carry your own weight, uh, things, things like that, um, that would, that would make, make me feel more embarrassed or, um, ashamed even to ask for help, um, or to say, I don't know, or, um, or to, to reach out and say, I'm, I'm so lost here. Help me. But for, uh, some of these Eastern cultures, um, whom we live and minister amongst here, um, the communal aspect of motherhood is, is a given. Um, I've had 
people reach over at restaurants and feed my kids. <laughs> oh my goodness. And here we would just become so offended by that. We're like, who do you think you are? (laughs) Like, well, obviously the toddler can't reach that. I'm just going to scoop it on the plate for him because mom's right. And and you got to feed yourself and you need help. The assumption is here. You need help. Why don't you get help? That's, that's the question. Why, why don't you have help? Um, it's, uh, it's fascinating, the, the culture differences uh, in terms of motherhood and the assumption is, of course, you can't do this mom thing by yourself. You're going to need your sisters, your aunties, your moms, the grandmas, the neighbors. Um, and yet so many women live in isolation. They just live right. believing right. that they have to carry this weight on their own. And right. it's just not, it's not what we were, you know, right. even... Even if you are in a place where you don't have your family nearby, like I don't have, I don't have my, my family nearby. I'm a thousand miles away from my parents. And, and yet you have to find community because you won't survive. Right. Right. And thinking about kind of that, that worldwide mindset and just how the Great Commission transforms how we look at um, our mission and, you know, our children as a mission field, our our local neighbors and all of those, um, all the people that we come into contact with in our churches and scripture study really grounds us in our understanding of missional motherhood. Mm-hmm. Yes, there's nowhere else you're going to get it. <laughs> you're big on memorization and meditation of, on the word. And um, I think I remember hearing you say something about carrying around a little pencil mm-hmm. And a, and a three by five card or something like that. And that was how you were meditating on the word. What kind of suggestions do you have for a woman who really needs to immerse herself in the word of God to just be really focused and uh, really lifting her eyes to Christ um, in motherhood or, or other stages of life? That's a great question. Um, having, having scripture tumbling around in your mind all day, um, is helpful not only for your own soul, but for others. Uh, if you think about, um, the word of God being our food, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God, we can, we can kind of tease out that food metaphor and think about, think about the scriptures in those terms. Um, so you, you eat food and I know people have Instagram and I know they take pictures of their food and they, they investigate new diets and they want to share it and they want to have community surrounding it. Um, people look forward to what they're eating and even announce it. I'm going to blah, blah, blah. And I'm going to have a, this, (laughs) um, food is such a communal experience for us such a public experience for us. We eat in public. Um, we pass food around to others. Uh, I've got text messages on my phone this morning for one of my kids' classes. They're, someone's bringing in cupcakes to share for a birthday. Um, sharing food with the, and, the, and she's told us exactly what kind of cupcakes they are, so we know. <laughs> so there's, <laughs> there's, there's so much shared 
uh, experience with food, that we can think of scripture in a similar way. Um, what do you eat for breakfast? Oh, I had oatmeal. What, you know, what, what word have you been meditating on this morning? Well, I was just thinking about for our sake, he made him to be sin who knew no sin so that in him, we might become the righteousness of God. Can we share that feast together and talk about that? You can do this with your believing friends. You can do this with your friends who don't know Jesus. Um, I have several friends who now kind of expect it that I'm going to tell them what I read today. <laughs> and talk about it. So much so that they'll ask me, what did you read today? Um, and it's, it's fantastic to get to share um, what I've been feeding on. Um, I know it's also kind of a fun trend to take pictures of, of the food that you read in the Bible um, and share that. I think that's great. Um, share the food you've been feasting on. Um, this is one way you can meditate on scripture um, because it's in your mind tumbling around. You're sharing it with others just as easily and readily as you would share what you ate for lunch. Could you share with the next person what you read in God's word? Um, and uh, it's funny because we all talk about food and we evaluate it. My husband and I, oh, what did you think about that? Oh, I thought this. Or, oh, it could have been a little cooked this way. Or, oh, you know what that was missing is this. And so we'll discuss our food and talk about it. <laughs> uh, we can discuss the word too. Um, what did you think about that? How did that impact you? Um, let's talk about the context. Let's talk about the surrounding um, scriptures that are related to it. So there's, there's so many fun connections we can make <laughs> in terms of sharing uh, scripture with one another, which I've found to be one of the most helpful um, pieces of advice in terms of meditating is to just start sharing it. And it does help like kind of something you, you said earlier ties into um, just being very intentional about finding people that you can share those things with that um, are going to join you in that and and making sure that you're part of a community where you're doing that. I think that's so vital to our our Christian walk. Yeah. So before we close out, um, we just wanted to ask you, how is Jesus making all things new in your life personally right now, just in terms of any kind of thing you're studying or experiencing or um what kind of resurrection mindset are you having to have if that's the case for you? Mm, um, that's, that's a great question too. Um, Don Carson has unquote. <laughs> it's, it's so pithy, but I've been thinking about it um, constantly for, for a while. Um, he says, I'm not suffering from anything that a good resurrection can't fix. Oh, amen. <laughs> Isn't that so good? Um, uh, my husband suffers from a debilitating nerve disease. He is in constant pain, um, physically disabled. Um, the days are long and the nights are long with his insomnia. And um, it's just been a really rough season for him physically lately and to consider that I'm not we're we are not suffering from anything that a good resurrection can't fix um, has really helped to center our hope on the certainty 
that since Jesus has taken our flesh up out of the grave, um, that he will not leave us in the grave. Um, we will be resurrected. And that, uh, that thought of, um, of an eternal weight of glory that cannot even be compared uh, has been so encouraging to me lately. Um, just to have that thought in my own mind and to think about Jesus walking out of his tomb as the first man in the new creation um, has been such, such an overwhelming joy uh, for me as I watch my husband suffer, as I suffer together with him and all the various things that means um, for our family uh, with his disability and pain. Uh, and to see that my neighbors need that same hope. Um, everybody's in pain. There is so much suffering in this world. Um, not just the sensational suffering that you read about on the news, but personally, individually, people suffer. Um, and to know that this could all be reconciled through Christ. Would you be reconciled to God through Christ? Come with me. <laughs> yes. Me. Let's be reconciled to God through Christ. What are you going to do with your sin? Um, you don't have a good plan for that. Jesus isn't asking you to carry it around. <laughs> right. You, yeah. You, you don't have anything you can do with your sin. Jesus can, however, remove <laughs> you as far as the east is from the west, and he can take you up out of the grave too, into everlasting life. That has been such a great, uh, just a great, bright thought in the middle of such darkness. Um, it's, uh, yeah, Easter every day. <laughs> I would love for us to meditate on Easter every day. You know, it's, it's so easy to, f um, get caught up in the other seasons and the busyness of them. And then think that this is the only time of year that, that we're supposed to turn our minds toward what Christ has done for us. But this is, we live post-resurrection. We live where Jesus is filling the whole earth with his glory and, with the knowledge of him and we are part of that. And I'm just so grateful to be able to have this conversation with you and, and the reminder of um, living as an ambassador. Thank you so much, Gloria. God bless you. Thanks. Can I, can I recommend a book on that note? Yes, please do. Great. Um, in terms of helping us meditate on Easter every day, Tony Renke has written a book called Easter changes everything. I just saw that yesterday. I I didn't buy it, but I saw it. <laughs> That's exciting. Yes. Get it and get it for your friends. Um, uh, for anyone listening, that's Ranky, R-E-I-N-K-E, Tony Ranky. Um, it's a short book. It's devotional, intentionally um, giving you uh, bite-sized, uh, weighty things to chew on all day, mm -hmm. um, and you don't have read it at Easter. So Easter changes everything. Awesome. Thank you so much, Gloria. You're welcome. Thank you. Well, I just praise God for the blessing of technology because, um, her words were such a gift, and I was so grateful to have that conversation. Um, she's been a wonderful gift to so many moms, and I just remember the first time I read her book, um, 
treasuring Christ when your hands are full and just feeling like I had an ally in this walk and um, somebody to just come alongside who would encourage me in my motherhood and my pursuit of of the Lord. I have spent all day after listening to your interview with Gloria, pouring over her website and reading the descriptions for all of her books. They all seem so encouraging. Like, so I'm very excited about the one that you sent me a link for about um, women of the church. Yes. Oh, yeah. No, it's called um, it's called Word Filled Women's Ministry. And she wrote it with Kathleen Nielsen. Um, and that is such an important book. I think it is like it, it is a must read for anyone who's doing any kind of women's ministry. Uh, one thing that I really love about um, doing this podcast and getting to listen to all of these interviews is it's such a reminder of what a rich time we live in where there's so um many gifts from God that he's given to people to write like in books or through their podcasts or through their websites. And as I was listening to her interview and then pouring over the pouring over her website at the same time, I just thought, wow, like I would never have had, I have like a book list, a running book list now (laughs) of all all the books that have been introduced to me through, through these amazing women that we've interviewed. And I wouldn't have known about them because I'm just not as up to date is that the right word? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, that's okay. Yeah. yeah. No, I think it, it's, we go through these seasons, right? Where um, depending on where your kids are going to school or what you're doing education wise with them or what kind of a job you have, or, you know, if you're in ministry or something like that, um, you may or may not be in a season where you're just able to pick up a book at any given moment yes. and read. And I know so many people that are are in a season where their kids are older and maybe a little bit more independent if they're being homeschooled. Um, and they get a lot more reading done. And so I am casually excited about, <laughs> um, that opportunity. I do a lot of audiobooks. Um, but yes, doing this podcast has really been great because, um, we are bringing to the podcast women that we've read before, but also, um, kind of compiling a list of books for myself has been a thrill. And, um, her book, Gloria's book, Glimpses of Grace is, on that list, I'm really excited for that one um, to read that one because it it looks really good. And we are going to be putting together a list of recommended resources on our website. And so we'll be sure to include Gloria's books in that. Yes, that's so exciting. Actually, that ties into as I was listening to your interview with Gloria um, and you're talking about missional motherhood and that we are ambassadors. She mentioned, um, and this is no small thing in passing, but she said, you know, being sinners makes focusing our eyes on Christ so hard and focusing our eyes on him is our our um, task, right? In order to be ambassadors on this mission, our task is to focus our eyes on Christ. That's really, you know, our command that we must do. And then he, we, and we've talked about, but she mentioned, um, so we need that we need a heavy diet of tools to keep our eyes on him. And, uh, she used the comparison of Western culture versus other Eastern cultures, um, as a must be able to do it on our own versus a community. And, it reminded me while I was listening to it of exactly what we're talking about. This list of resources. We need to be so thankful that we live in this time where God has laid an abundant feast before us with technology, which we have talked about, but I feel like it, you know, sometimes we can get in a, 
funk about um, how things used to look in the past or maybe things because of technology and busyness or how our lives are changing, things that have kind of fallen off that maybe our parents used to do or to stay um, more connected. But then we miss the blessing of what we have laid out in front of us. And it is a feast. It's amazing that uh, we have all of this variety of different technology um, or tools, I guess, books and things like that, that we can be using that keep our eyes on him along with reading our Bibles, meditating on the word and prayer. But but people's testimonies and the things the Lord has laid on their heart to speak about or write about, they all help um, feed feed our souls, right? Uh, keep our eyes on him. I just thought that was so awesome. Yes. Yes. And I, I love what you're saying that, um, you know, we can we can just decide to be discontented about the amount of technology that we have um, or that we feel like we're pulled into. Or we can just be really intentional in utilizing these resources and this connection that we have um, to be equipped in being on mission, like what Gloria talks about. So I love what you're saying that I think that's so true. And um Praise the Lord for for her, for women like her, and just um, so grateful to be able to link arms with these women in fellowship and keep moving on together, seeing towards Christ. Amen. Well, thank you again for joining us. Thank you for the reviews you've left. If you haven't left a review yet, would you mind scrolling down in the podcast section on your iTunes podcast app? and leaving us a rating or a review. We love getting messages from you too. So thank you for the messages you're sending via Instagram and email. We're super grateful to be able to connect with all of you from around the world. Um, Brittany and I were laughing about how now we have these friends in South Africa and Argentina and Ukraine and just everywhere. It's amazing. And so welcome to you. If you're a new listener today, thank you for joining us. Connect with us on Facebook or Instagram. We love, love hearing your voices. As the gospel progressively changes us individually, it progressively changes the world. 1 Corinthians 15, 22-27 says, For as in Adam all die, so also in Christ shall all be made alive. But each in his own order, Christ the firstfruits, then at his coming those who belong to Christ. Then comes the end when he delivers the kingdom to God the Father after destroying every rule and every authority and power. For he must reign until he has put all his enemies under his feet. The last enemy to be destroyed is death. For God has put all things in subjection under his feet. It can be tempting to think that the gospel doesn't have much to do with our everyday lives aside from saving us from hell and the eternal consequences of sin. But nothing in your life is insignificant because nothing in your life is untouched by the transformation of Jesus Christ. Because we carry Jesus' resurrection life in us everywhere we go, the gospel transforms the most mundane moments of our lives. The gospel transforms how you and I love our neighbors next door and the ones in our homes because it transforms our relationships. Jesus transforms how you go to the grocery store. He transforms how you clean your bathroom and how you change a diaper because everywhere you go, you are carrying his gospel, his message of reconciliation into that situation. The gospel of Jesus Christ gets down into our hearts and it never lets us go. And because of what Jesus has done, we can declare all of Christ for all of life. Because friend, there is not one area of our lives that he does not want to have lordship over. He wants to transform all of you, your entire existence. As believers in Jesus Christ, 
we carry that word with us. We carry that mission. We carry that hope and the invitation and command to be part of His resurrection movement in the world.